I think you're not always going to know um, what's around the corner and what the next the next move is. I think it's just doing anything that you're currently doing as the best way uh, possible, and that it will just lead to the next really. I am joined by a special guest. This is version 2.0 because last time the internet fucked us up big time. But this is great because I'm going into this interview now knowing how much more of a really unique individual this person is. So he's a designer, entrepreneur. I've been following him for a long time since his first brand, Coercion. And over the last couple of months, I started to see some new content come out from him. You know, he was quiet for a while. And then I started to see teasers of his new brand reborn and i remember having a thought to myself i was like all right he went from like this streetwear t-shirt brand killing it at the time to completely transforming himself to like luxury aesthetics really really clean silhouettes and i just thought to myself like okay this is someone who's wanting to make a name for themselves in the industry now they're they're really wanting to take themselves seriously I want to have a conversation with this person. So I want to welcome to Before the Money, for the second time, Calvin Coelho. How are you doing, brother? Thank you, man. I'm doing good. And yourself? Oh, I'm living the dream. Happy to be part of it. That's great, man. So I'm going to shoot a couple of quick questions at you. Fave music artist right now. Who are you listening to at the moment? Ah, oh, favorite music artist. Um, I definitely say Brent. Brent. Um, mm-hmm. Brent and a local Perth artist that um, I listen to a lot is Harry Hilfiger. Um, I listen to more local. That's artists a sick sometimes. name. Yeah. yeah, Harry Hilfiger. He's seventeen, man, and he is killing it. Mm-hmm. His music is a his music's unreal. Um, I li- I'm pretty much just uh his stuff's on repeat right now yeah. how would you describe it like what makes it so captivating for you at the moment um i think i think definitely how authentic it is um 17 year old kid been through a lot and he just puts that in his music and uh i just don't, I, I definitely don't think it's the same as anyone else i I'd, I'd definitely say along the lines of like a I don't know, like a like along the lines of Frank Ocean or something like that, and um, yeah, cool. Uh, and yeah, it's cool. You you see him in person, and you wouldn't expect that uh, him to sound like that. It's just, mm. it's honestly, um, I will, I will send it to you. Um, his music yes, will have your jaw will drop. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely, probably my most played artist right now. Yeah, go and check it out, everyone. We're just putting people on here. That's what before the money's about. Three things that are bringing you joy at the moment. Family, 100%. Spending more time with family, not getting too caught up in work. Um, and and that's pretty much it. I think family keeps you grounded. And I think it's definitely um, something to put before working all the time. So, um, yeah, I just say it all, it all comes from there. Yeah, I like how you brought that up because often when you're really ambitious and you've got big goals and stuff, you're just constantly looking in the future. You don't necessarily have gratitude for the things you already have, the things that got you to to where you are. Why don't we just jump straight into it then? Why don't we let people know a little <laughs> yeah. bit about Reborn? Yeah, okay. Um, Reborn, Reborn Atelier is a brand that I just dropped three weeks ago. Um, have been working on it for about two years um, and just exploring categories of men, menswear. So going into... Um, you know, knitwear, jewelry, leather, just covering all tiers of uh, a men's wardrobe and just um, delivering it at, at, in the highest way possible. Um, this was a collection that I actually um, worked on behind closed doors. So, you know, it was, it was something I was working on, I think, without validation. And I think in this world right now that we live in, it's it's you need to put something out and get instant validation for, I think. Um, so I think, I think it was, it was, a, it was something designed from a different perspective and a different lens to how I normally would work on something. Um, and there's just now this piece with having it out there, no matter kind of how it does, 
Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that this brand is out there. Um, I did have a brand before that I ran for two years and, you know, I did experience really high highs and low lows. And I think just made me realize like what, it, what's really important when having, having a brand and, um, uh, I, I want to know a little bit about what's going through your head when you're putting together like a collection. Um, stay on like the topic of Reborn for a little while. For, for me personally, I kind of build up this somewhat visual character within my head and then just imagine them mm-hmm. interacting with the things that I'm making. Does it suit yeah. their frequency? Does it suit their energy? All that kind of thing. So how does how does your creativity work throughout that process? Um. Okay. Well, I definitely have, I I think, I think that's the thing you, there's ideas all around us. And, Mm. um, especially with me, I can never switch off. My brain is just working 24 seven. I, I, I can't shut it off if that makes sense. Um, I do, I do think ideas, um, float around us all the time and an idea can just hit, but it's weird. It's, it's like that idea isn't, um, sometimes the idea doesn't make sense, but you know, you have it and I just have to, I just have to act on it. So pretty much, um, I'll write it down first. Um, I'll try my best to categorize as much information on that design as possible. Um, also in the sense of like, um, you know, is it an authentic idea? Um, sometimes I look at, um, the simple things as well, because simple things can get overlooked, um, as well. Like, I think we try to think too outside the box. So I just try to look at it from a simple perspective as well. Um, and then I'm like, okay, how can we deliver that in the most, um, professional and high ways as, as possible? Um, and then that's pretty much it. I think, I think I don't like, it's, it's always good to set a deadline as well. Um, otherwise then it just drags out for too mm-hmm. long. And, um, because, because the easy thing to do is think about it. And then the hardest part is to really make it happen. And sometimes that's the most scariest part. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much, it's just write the idea down. Eventually when it comes to designing a piece, we just write, I write the idea down then to sketches, um, as many references as I can. Um, I'm heavily inspired by, I guess, you know, um, from early nineties to early two thousands. Um, so I have, I can't just watch a movie. I have to watch a movie from that era in order to really Mm -hmm. understand that, um, that lifestyle and just, I'm the most annoying person to watch a movie with. I think I'd be watching it and constantly be pausing and screenshotting and taking (laughs) photos. And then, Oh, that's awesome. You know, pause it, um, have to sketch something out or whatever I can get. When, when the idea seems um, like it's coming alive a bit more, um, we do tech packs, which are like uh, like these little um, more realistic drawings of mm-hmm. them. It's like a blueprint of what a piece is. So we go into these tech packs. It's just a deep, detailed, universal language of what a T-shirt could be or what a hoodie could be. Um, and then that's it. And then I just present it to my factory. Um, I can't be there, so it's pretty much a zoom call like this and just back and forth communication on, on, on this piece. Um, and then the sampling, you know, uh, from there. So we sample the piece. Um, it's never a hundred percent the first time it takes many attempts to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get somewhere with it. Um, and it's a very, uh, how should I say you want to rip your hair out process. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been there. And I'm, I'm not really a guy that sketches that mm-hmm. much. I have to just see it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's so, you know, I will sample and sample until this piece comes about. And yeah, it takes many attempts to get to the right one. Um, our cargoes that are doing really well right now out of the whole collection is pretty much the cargoes that everyone are gravitating towards to. Um, that piece probably took at least 12 to, sorry, 12 to 15 times to sample. Mm. And it's not just a money thing, it's a time thing, um, because the, you know, you, it's the couple of weeks of sampling and then the couple of weeks it takes to get to you. And then it's like, you check it out, do your fittings and then, nah, this isn't good. We'll send it back. 
Um, so yeah, the process is just, um, it's just crazy. And, and like you said, I think it's like, I'm in love with the challenge of it as well. Um, uh, because I think, uh, you know, the t-shirt, the hoodie, how many more do we need in the sense? <laughs> like, um, I think ordering from a supplier and slapping a logo on it, not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I think it's just, there isn't much of a challenge left yeah. for me in it. And it can be done with a, uh, you know, clicks of a few, like few buttons now, uh, before when I was in school, um, doing, cause I did have a t-shirt and hoodie brand. There's nothing wrong with it, but we actually screen printed ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was more of a challenge to find everything and figure it out. Um, now it's, you know, you can kind of just drop ship mm-hmm. it. Uh, so I, I was just like, I, I have to figure out how to, bring more to the table, I mm. guess. And, um, yeah. And, and in all honesty, it was just making pieces that I felt like were, uh, missing from my wardrobe. That's, that was my first approach at this whole collection. It was just, it was just designing, um, some pieces I needed really. Yeah. I resonate with that. Definitely. How much of you do you think is entrepreneur versus kind of designer do you think you got into fashion out of a love for business or you found a love for business through fashion oh that's a good question um it's 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 hard it's a bit of i think i think the obsession with it kind of overrides the talent mm-hmm. and um doing anything necessary to like make it work um i didn't didn't go to design school or study fashion i sometimes wish i did but um i think it's the it really just came down to the organizing um communication and um just honestly, just time management and organizing, planning and executing that really makes up everything. I think design was like 20, 10% of that, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So I think running it as a business is probably, and, and the back end of things is, you know, kind of comes first now. Um, I think, I think the business side of me was maybe always, always there. If I look back in it, um, I was, if I think about it, I was always doing something along the lines of business, maybe as since from a kid Mm -hmm. from, I don't know, selling you your cards or whatever. Um, I was just always, always doing that. And I think, um, yeah. And, and my dad, dad definitely is someone who I, um, I guess is where I get it from and aspired to be as, as a kid, just from the way he, um, he worked and his drive and work ethic, like just, um, raising me and my brothers and sisters, uh, single parent and just working till four in the morning and still picking us up and dropping to school. So I think that drive rubbed mm-hmm. off on me. Um, and I just put it into, put it into this work, but, uh, I think it was always having that, uh, business acumen first, you're right. Um, and then, uh, the design the design part probably comes from my mom actually um she she's an artist and a graphic designer but very old school um and a perfectionist in what she does and um and i and i always had to go to work with her and i think i just picked that side up from so i got best of both worlds if that makes sense that's interesting yeah. how our life like in the early years shapes us because my mom's a graphic designer and draftswoman and so i picked oh, up all that mm-hmm. stuff literally seeing her do it. And then I think the first time I ever fucked around Photoshop was like, Oh, I I would have been very young and I made it like a mother's day card or something. But that was the first thing when I made it, I was like, Oh, I can just go into this computer and make something out of nothing. Like how cool is that? And I just fell in love with design. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just, just, I think watching them both work, they're just both great at what they do in their um, own realm Mm -hmm. of things. Like, uh, yeah, my mom, she, she would like cut shapes. Uh, so she would cut her own topography out with a stencil, really? um, and make her own letter just from scratch, but not on Photoshop yeah. as well. Like just, you know, and, and just, I think as a kid, 
all that just getting downloaded in my in my subconscious is just is just there and i think just being older i, I kind of see it just like looking back at all the times i went to work with my parents or um you know just listening to how my dad would solve a crisis at work and um being in the car with him um on the way to work and just listening to all the phone calls and stuff like that as a kid you don't care but i think i think now looking back at it is like i think that's where i picked up everything so i think i always had the business side of me um always there that entrepreneurial spirit and the design and creativity i think really does um actually come from my mom <laughs> so yeah what was it you think that drew you to business in the first place cuz like you can get all these all those rewards in working for like a really cool startup. Why did you want to be the one making it for yourself? I I don't know. I think it was just there was there was never this one moment of like, oh, I want to mm-hmm. give up work and go and start my own thing. I to be honest, I think growing up I lacked direction. I didn't have any idea where I wanted to go. Um I I got I got good grades in school and I um I didn't think you could make a career out of fashion I think I think it would seem impossible and I did make clothes in school but I didn't see a future in it I think um I think I and I was told a lot it was a, it was definitely a waste of time um I think I think now in this day and age entrepreneurialism is like oh yeah like anything's kind of possible through the internet but I think when I was in school it definitely uh wasn't really like that um I just I literally just uh yeah finished school went straight into um into working into retail um and I think you know working into retail as boring uh as it was um I think it was just the customer service and working with with people all the time um I was just getting things downloaded in my spirit that helps me where I am today. So pretty much it's just like I just had a good attitude with with every uh job I ever had and I felt like it always just leaded to the next thing. And you know, even with when we had all our clear out sales or whatever, I could just make an outfit work for people regardless of what season it really was. And um I th- I think that kind of just triggered something into me and I was like wow I should just really start making my own clothes. Um and and it just it just evolved. I didn't really think um I ever th- once thought that far for years ahead. I think it was just one thing leading to the next thing if that mm, makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yep. Kind of similar to how I started, you know, minus yeah. the the retail experience. It was just I wanted to make stuff for myself. And, you know, that going through that process was driven by my own kind of curiosity. Um, And then it kind of turning into started turning Mm -hmm. into something that, you know, actually allowed it to gain momentum. And, you know, you just kind of lean into it. It's one of those, um, it's like the university of of life in lots of ways. You just keep going until you confront a problem that you have to learn Mm -hmm. to solve. And then you're just acquiring skills, acquiring skills. Yeah, it's a funny game that we're playing, but it's super interesting. Why don't you continue along, kind of that story you're on there? Because yeah. um, I know you've you've done some cool things, you know, with coercion, and then what you did after that. Um, why don't you continue on with your story a little bit? Because I think it's it's quite interesting the amount of work you've done. Okay, where do I begin? Um, I I think well, going back to my roots, I think. Um, uh, my, my dad was, my dad started off as a very simple man, but he, he just worked hard in all, like any task he was given, he'd work the hardest and out, outwork anyone. And the other cool thing is, is that he, he just had an ordinary bookkeeping job, but he would always wear a suit and he was just very, uh, just very disciplined and everything would be pressed. Everything would be ironed. He'd take off his jacket before sitting down. Um, he would, and I'd, and I'd kind of be like, why why are you always mm-hmm. wearing a suit to your job? You don't need to. And he's like, oh, you don't yeah. know who's, who's watching. And he's worked himself up from the top since then. And and even now, he everyone just remembers him from the way he dressed. And it wasn't expensive clothes, but he made it look expensive. He, he just had a discipline yeah. in the way he, he dressed. 
and carried himself and um and 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 I think I I always just had that about me and the way I dress as well um and then it pretty much just started in high school I not any uh there weren't really anyone doing it except we had two brands here called Street X and Ollie Clothing they're like um they they had their own uh this brand back in like uh 2011 i think and um, i was really inspired by them so i got into screen printing um at 15 and had my own streetwear brand in high school um to be honest it's, i was like yes it, it actually did very well um at, at such a young age i really did learn a lot um through that brand um sometimes i wish i was doing as well as that <laughs> brand was um it, it just uh, that that was a, when Instagram and everything kind of first came out as well. So it really um, it really gained momentum what was quite the name quickly. Of that? Uh, but parents parents maybe shut it down while I was in school. Oh man, I hate saying the name out loud. It was um, I called it Profanity and Co. Profanity and Co. Um, I don't know why the Co name was quite popular back then. Hey, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That's... I had a few Co businesses. Yeah, yeah. I had a few Co Co's of businesses. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, bro, I got, I got so much shit in school for it. It was funny. Like people actually, uh, so it was called profanity and co and people would call it <laughs> profanity and cock. Um, so it, it got a lot of shit in school, but, um, I, I loved it. I actually, I was, I focused on that instead of my schooling. That's all I just wanted to do. Um, but my parents made me put a hold to it when I was like in year 12. So. Yeah, I just, I just, I stopped that in year 12. And then anyway, um, after school finished, I started coercion. It took me about a year or two to get momentum with that. Um, I was still tapping into the cut and sew side of things, just trying to do something a little bit more out of hoodies and tees. And that really did start experiencing some highs. And, you know, I, I, the way the brand moved i was able to just do a lot of um like short films just explore you know different mediums of like art in in communicating it everything everything we did was just kind of like just loud um rather than a normal e-com shoot we we just went we just went cr crazy with it i don't know we ah, just random stuff like i don't know one shoot will have like a heist mm -hmm. type of scene uh with a helicopter the other one will have like um like a snakes guns uh just just you name it it was it was just a brand that was making some noise and um it was it was funny I, everything was a one of one and just from the shoots we did it actually really picked up and um i did this first capsule and it really just sold out instantly and every time i restocked it was able to sell out over and over again um so i was i was in uni and i deferred it and went full-time into coercion and um i was able to i was able to travel with it i uh, met amazing people that i'm still in touch with now um i took it to uh i did i did a lot of pop-up stores i was very involved in um we had we just had a good community around it and i was able to um take it to melbourne and sydney and do pop-up stores there um, still in touch with the people that I met there all those years ago. Um, I felt like that opened doors for us. I think if you want to travel, especially with your brand or business, you should. Um, I think, you know, you can always spend mm -hmm. money on Facebook ads to market somewhere, but I think you really need to go to a different city with your work um, and meet people because um, it's weird. I'm still in touch with the people from there and still have that network so anytime i go there we just mm -hmm. uh we just link up and we work and it's great but um yeah i took i took coercion to sydney and melbourne and that was insane um didn't know anyone there but everything came together and um the pop-up store we did in sydney um was crazy so we we did a pop-up in sydney and our venue that we had um was also the venue that uh no jumper came and did their podcast no jumper was i mean I, I don't know about them now but they were they were definitely really big back then and 
the other thing is is that Kid Leroy did his first major interview with them uh there when he was just starting out um so him or his friends came down uh this was very early days before he was signed and then he did his no jumper interview um there at our pop up and we're we're all in this we're all in the video as well I'm in the background just not knowing what to do um but uh yeah Kid Leroy actually wore one of our hoodies in the interview and that interview was the interview i think maybe that was a stepping stone to him getting signed and um that interview has went just it's it's went extremely viral it's on every page from complex to rap and everything and he's actually just wearing our hoodies and it's had our brand name across it um it, it it's um mm-hmm. yeah no jumper even posted the video it got millions of views and that hoodie was just always in demand just from being at the right place at the right time and just um yeah uh so that was that was sydney and um so how did you how did that pan out to get the the podcast you know to do um their interviews in the store how did that come about um so he had a so the no jumper guys had a meet and greet um at we we had the same venue um so we we booked it out for a weekend and they booked it out for like a half a day so we just had a crossover for about 2 hours um and that and that was fine we were like yeah mm-hmm. like let's let's do it so we just moved our stuff aside they did their pod uh not their podcast they were pretty much sorry doing a vlog um and yeah and yeah. Then, and then from there we were able to we we all stayed in touch and I was blessed enough to meet um Leroy a few more times after that and then uh I was able you know we we've just we gave him a whole lot of stuff for of coercion stuff and every upcoming interview uh sorry every interview he did when he was up and coming um he was just wearing coercion which was which was sick um in all his early days <laughs> and then um and then uh this this wasn't too recently he did a he did a music video that was directed by Logan Paul um there was um those coercion stuff in the music video and i just woke up to my phone just going off and yeah. everyone hitting us up for that hoodie and that was just um that was sick and uh then and the thing is and then so from sydney then we went to melbourne uh melbourne melbourne was amazing that's a that's a really um forward thinking community there and um did a pop up there that that did uh that did so well people just i think love the whole pop-up experience there and we were able to meet Jaden Smith there as well um and that was that was great got him I was able to get him clothes and um then yeah then just come back to Perth with all this momentum and um was able to ride the brand out from there for another year and a half and um yeah so that was pretty much coercion summed up Hey team, real quick reminder before we jump back in, if you're enjoying yourself and you're getting value from this episode, there's no need to keep all this goodness to yourself. Share the growth with your audience and leave behind five stars. Much love guys and back to the episode. So why transition away from that? As as well as it was doing, I didn't want, I, I had this, I had this like underlying level of indecisiveness to it. I think as I got older, I was realizing I don't want to just make another cool piece. Um, I want to make something that actually, um, it's, it's like, like Jay Z said, he said, um, you know, are you trying to make that hit song or are you trying to make a song that stays around forever? And I feel like I was on that page now. I didn't want to just make a, uh, add to it, contribute to another trend. You know, we don't need, mm-hmm. um, a screen printed hoodie anymore um i definitely wanted to play it forever and um work on a brand that would contribute to um to to being around for a while so um i had that i just had that feeling um I, yeah i just had that that feeling and i knew i needed to act on it um and i i still continued with the brand um but always felt that I needed to um needed to do something on that feeling because um yeah coercion was just this loud uh obnoxious brand and um 
I definitely wanted to stem away from it and create something more meaningful. Um, so what happened was we, I, I felt that way. And then I was like, okay, like, I think I'm done with it. And, and that was probably the time where it was actually doing and performing quite well. Um, so we made our, I made, instead of restocking all our old stuff, I just made our final collection for coercion and it was actually titled the final collection or something like that. So anyone that wanted to buy it, um, could buy it. And, um, that was, that just marked our final piece. So, um, yeah, pretty much just ended it on the spot. Did our last shoot, put our last collection up for sale. Uh, everyone was quite shocked and were like, are you, you know, are you, um, are you serious? And I was just like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. And, um, yeah. And then just put our last collection out and, um, that was, that was pretty much it. I washed my hands with it and it was, um, it was finished, which was, um, which is crazy, crazy to think about. Yeah. Was there any fears like in going through that decision or were you very clear on what you wanted? Um, I think, I think, yeah, there was a lot of fears or anything, but I think it's also like I had to really just make a decision. I couldn't be on the fence with it. Um, you know, it's not like oh, I can stop it and then just bring it back. It was like, all right, um, I mm-hmm. I stopped it. I was I was pretty scared because uh, it had such a loyal um, loyal fan base, if that makes sense. And I felt mm-hmm. like, am I letting people down? But uh, I had to just do it for me, I guess. And um, uh, yeah, and and the thing is, it was stopping it and then just not knowing what to do next. Um, and that, that is the thing. I, I didn't have any tricks up my sleeve after that. I did know that I wanted, I mean, the idea of creating a brand with meaning was there in the back of my mind, but, um, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to start a brand. I, I, sorry, I, when I finished coercion, um, all the capital that I got from that last collection, I was like, okay, I'm going to start sampling, um, a new brand now. I uh, didn't know what that brand was. I just knew I wanted to start, uh, you know, start start a new brand or just pretty much just wanted to stay creative. And I sampled all these new pieces, you know, all this, like, um, uh, all these new silhouettes that I've never touched before as well. Uh, didn't even know how to go about doing it. I just wanted to do it. And um, it literally arrived like uh, like garbage, like it was, it was crap. Uh, like I remember like doing all these like um, cargo pants and stuff and I couldn't even get my foot through the bottom of the pants. And uh, I'm like, I just wasted all that money I made on from coercion on this. And then I took that as my sign to just, to just leave it for a bit. Yeah. So what did, what yeah. did you do after that? How did you kind of sustain yourself um, once you um, like basically lost your main source of income? It was a, it was a hard decision for me, man. Like, I mean, oh, sorry, a hard, it was, it was a hard time because it was, I went back to lacking direction and not knowing what to do. Uh, and if I think about it, I was like, I, I went on a trip with my friend um, who did all my shoots with me, uh, Peter. I, we went to Melbourne um, just, to, just to kind of get away from it all. And I, for the first time, I was like, I, I don't know what to do or where I'm going to go. Um, I, I did feel scared 100%. Uh, I think I hid behind my brand and I thought that's all I was good at. Um, so it was a scary time for me. And I came back to Perth and I just went into working. Um, you know, I pulled out from uni. I didn't want to go back to that. So I just got stuck in, in an admin job. Um and I was there for almost a year. Uh, I, yeah, pretty much just worked the, not, went back to a nine to five. And um, I was like, whoa, is this it for me? And I didn't really know where to go from there. Um, I felt, I felt like I hit rock bottom at that stage. But um, mm. the crazy thing is I worked at that job as hard as I could. Um, I, and, I, and I'll be honest, I, I'm grateful for that job. I learned a lot. Um, when it comes to admin and bookkeeping and everything that I, that I can use right now. Um, mm-hmm. so it didn't go to waste is what I'm trying to say. But, um, in that time, 
I think because I ended the previous brand, a lot of people hit me up to help them with their current brand or to, to help them with um, production or business merch. I think because I ended the previous brand, people just took that as an opportunity uh, for me to like, um, that now that I got time, I can, I can help them with their brand. And I, and I did exactly that. So, and, and I was doing it all for like free as well. So I would, um, get people's screen printing done. I would source everyone's either fabrics or, um, oversee their production. I was just doing that for like friends, businesses or whatever until, um, until my dad was like, no, you should, you should probably just make that a business. And the idea seemed really far out of reach for me. And, uh, I was like, no, that's, that's just weird. I can't do that. Um, and then fast forward a couple months later, the work was just crazy. Um, I was overseeing hundreds of units a month. Um, and I was just, I was doing it to help out. And then I, um, then I just evolved that into a business. Um, it goes under the name of studio 444 now. And in that, in that time while I was working, I was working on this little, project called studio Four, where it was just uh it, it was ideally to um to sell blanks at wholesale um so mm -hmm. hoodies tees pants but it was all cut and sew by me so like i it was my own cut it wasn't just a generic gildan tee or as color tee it was all um something a little bit more sophisticated and better quality blanks and that too you know in the um in the time of like COVID and stuff, it was, it was hard to get your hands, um, on, on any blank or any manufacturer. So, um, I, I put it up on my Instagram after staying quiet for some time as well. So people kind of thought, is this a new brand? Um, but, uh, it, it really blew up a lot of, a lot of brands and companies hit me up for our stock and it evolved from there. It turned from a blank business to a screen printing one. Um, and then now it's uh evolving into a manufacturing business maybe as well um so pretty much i was just providing all these layers of service from design to packaging labeling um some people didn't want my blank some people wanted a collection design from scratch so i just do that as well um some people wanted advice or whatever so i just do consults or whatever for free um so i was doing that in my time off from coercion and then I don't know what struck. I think after working with like dozens of dozens of brands, something struck into me like, okay, I just got to do my own thing now. So, um, the idea of reborn eventually came about and then, uh, yeah, fast forward another year and a half later, um, I'm on the other side of that now. So, yeah. It's crazy how like things play out for a reason. Like the reason yeah. you're probably able to do reborn at such a high level is because of that year or 18 months or whatever it was you spent just really in the trenches, like exploring all the different avenues of kind of fashion design for clients. Yeah. And then you just like, you got your 10,000 hours in now you can hit a new brand with like a full force and a full skill set. Yeah. 100%. I think, um, I think it's okay to lack direction and not know where to go. I think you just kind of have to keep moving and mm. at every state that you're at, you just have to, uh, you have to just give it your best because I do believe you're not just going it, going through what you're kind of going through for no reason at all. Um, it definitely um, plays a part in your next next chapter, and um, that's really what it was. It was it was quitting a brand that just didn't mean anything to me to eventually helping um, and manufacturing for all these other brands, and then that just sparked the inspiration and creativity in me to do reborn and the thing is with reborn um you know it falls back on uh good organization uh, management and um production you know i couldn't have this brand if it wasn't for all those um for all those factors that i didn't pick up from this admin job and the studio four stuff so it kind of just all led to this which um yeah looking back at it i'm like okay like it all makes sense now at the time i was really like uh what have i got myself into but um mm -hmm. yeah so if you could go and have a conversation with yourself from when did you say coercion started straight out of high school did you say yeah yeah so if you could have a conversation with that version of yourself knowing what you know now 
what are some of the major kind of bouts of wisdom you'd pass on? Um, that that um, it's okay to wait, uh, to be more patient, to take definitely take time out. I think you don't need to um, you don't need to constantly put out stuff to be relevant. Um, you shouldn't put uh, pieces out for the sake of it. Um, definitely take your time. Um, definitely, definitely take your time when it comes to working on something. Um, and I think it's okay to work on something behind closed doors, uh, because I think at this day and age, you just need that instant validation. Um, mm-hmm. I think when you work on something behind closed doors, um, and only, you know, you see it or your close fa- friends and family see it. Now that this work is out, there's more of a, like a, like a, there's more peace that is out rather than, uh, what are people going to think? Um, so I think it's okay to take the six months off, to take the year off and to just, um, to even, even to just like align all your intentions behind a project as well. Um, it, it's super important. And I think when you do that, and you put the work out, like people just um, relate to it way too much. They see how authentic it is rather than just another cool hoodie. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I would I would tell someone or tell my uh, self a couple of years ago that just take to take mm-hmm. the time out. It's, it's fine. You don't have to um, uh, constantly put stuff out to to be relevant or to be in conversation. And, and you can take the time out like. I think one thing that um, was in my head all that time was, oh my gosh, if I ever come back with something, um, no one's going to care um, or it's not going to do well or um, or I'll fall off. And um, mm-hmm. I was constantly battling that in that time off because I, I didn't post for like a year or whatever. Um, and I've never gone so long without uh, putting work out. And um, I, I thought I couldn't, it wasn't a seat at the table f- for me when I did decide to come back. But um, to be honest, the response was um, the best response I've ever had um, when I did decide to put this line out again. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would tell the old old self, yeah, I guess. So, yeah. When you're going through those moments of kind of being a little bit lost, and I, I suppose the road of entrepreneurship is just learning to get comfortable in that state. Um, but what are some like the conversations you have with yourself? Like, especially when you first left coercion, like that's a huge part of your identity, you know, going back into like the traditional workforce. You've, although it's a great time for us to rediscover um, what our like values are, it can be a, a big hit to our, you know, our emotion, our, our identity. So what are some of like the thought patterns that you were going through in that kind of major transition or any time when you lost really? When you don't have direction what to do. Um, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. Like it was definitely a tough time, a tough time for me because I'm so used to putting work out constantly and everything and for all that to stop was, was just, was just the hardest part. Um, I, I kind of just don't know what kept me going. Um, I think, I think now it's just like, if I ever, I ever face that, um, I, I would just have to pray and that's, that's all I really could do. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. I think, I think you're not always going to know, um, what's around the corner and what the next, the next move is. I think it's just doing anything that you're currently doing as the best way uh, possible and that it will just lead to the next really. Um, that's all it is. So from me going Mm. from a brand that was doing well, going to a nine to five in the work field that I never wanted to be in. Um, I just had to do it with the best attitude and actually just learn as much as I possibly, possibly could. Um, so yeah. But you're actively kind of telling yourself, you know, this stuff's happening for a reason. Do you think you're very mindful in that respect? Yeah. Yeah, I try, I try to kind of see it as like, okay, what can I learn from this situation as much mm-hmm. as I could? Um, 
in regards to my character, yeah. Because how, how old are you now? Um, 23. 23, yeah. It's crazy because the amount of access we have to technology now, like it's awesome. So like someone like you has lived multiple life lifetimes already at the age of 23. I would consider myself the same because um, we just have access to so much stuff. You know, we can listen to a podcast with two really inspirational people and get pretty good understanding of, of a life of a great, you know, in, in an hour and a half of our time. Same with books, man. Like the human race is progressing so fucking fast now. It's wicked. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely it. The information is there, but it's also the understanding of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like you know, I'm not some know-it-all, um, but I think I just had the willingness to just to just go out and try. And I think that's that's just where all um, it came from was just being in the situation and the environment and learning that way. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's what worked out best for me. I couldn't. I couldn't sit in a classroom. I couldn't sit and listen to a three-hour lecture. It's just like I had to be in the situation um, to to just learn, and um, that's that's been the coolest part. Uh, was just yeah. all right, like I'm just gonna try it, gonna try it tomorrow, or try it right now. Yeah, uh, man, this has been a wicked interview. Uh, before I ask my last question. Um, yeah. can you drop your Instagram handles, whatever other social media you use for our people to find you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So my personal is, uh, Calvin Coelho and my, and, and you'll see the businesses I have in my bio. Um, mm-hmm. my brand reborn, um, is RBRN and my production company is called studio four, four, four. Wicked. We'll drop all that stuff in the show notes anyway for you guys. Final question. If you were to have dinner with an idol of yours, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you want to learn from them? Um, it would definitely be uh, Virgil Abloh. Um, you know, so sad that he just passed away. Um, I would, like, yeah, I was... My friends are all in Sydney and they were able to meet him. I missed out on that. I was, and I always said, I was like, oh, look, I, he, he was one person that I've always wanted to meet, um, to just have a conversation with. Um, I felt like he was someone who made this whole career and what I do seem possible. Um, you know, I've just listened to every 2016, 2017 lecture that he did over and over and over again. And, um, just yeah, wow, man! Like never felt so inspired by someone. Um, so yeah, I think I think he just made this whole thing actually seem possible and within reach. The way he'd foster a community and the youth um, is just is just crazy. And you know, you're gonna think he's a CEO of Louis Vuitton, and he would meet up with a 16 year old trying to start like a t shirt hoodie brand, and just be like, mm-hmm. oh man, look, this is what you can do. So. Um, you know, the people, uh, the world needs more people like that, man. Um, so he would have been the, the person I would have loved to, to meet. Sadly, he's, um, gone now, but, uh, yeah, huge, huge fan of his work. So what do you think it it was like, do you think it was more so just your connection or you're able to see a lot of yourself kind of in him? Or what was like the, the special yeah. thing? It's hard to explain connection, but what do you think it was for you? I think it's it's a lot. I don't I don't see him as just a fashion designer. It was more that the fact that he was a creative director as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wasn't he wasn't in the box of just like oh he's a fashion designer. And the fact that you know his journey is pretty much the same as yours as mine is that he was just screen printing uh his original brand which is pyrex 23 which is mm-hmm. like a loud provocative brand that he wasn't proud of even saying he was screen printing that on a ralph lauren um flannel and then what six years later at louis vuitton which just doesn't make sense um so just to see that it's is possible um that someone can go go that far um and the doors that he opened 
when it does come to fashion and to make it more accessible and to um to even to just make it a more friendly friendly place um is is i guess the goal and i think i think that's what i take from it is is to making uh to making the fashion scene a more accessible more friendlier uh, place i guess what a great way to finish it uh is there anything else you want to share with our audience how how can our audience help you out on your journey i don't know just uh just follow and, and connect with us i guess um that's it and just join the conversation um you know i just i don't feel like it's a it's a customer or audience it's just we connect with anyone that um i guess that follows or buys or shares or whatever i just um love meeting people with the same perspective that's all it pretty much is really um so yeah tap in if you can calvin thank you so much brother really appreciate it and just to kind of round us off here there's this I, i was at an event um last weekend and i was having a conversation with this dude who was super successful in um development and web three and all that kind of tech stuff and we had this conversation and when i was saying goodbye to him just out of nowhere super strange he just kind of like grabs me looked me in the eyes and goes remember the hardest decision to make is the only one worth making and that's like a just some words that have been ringing through my ears um for like the last week so i wanted to share them all with you guys and hopefully they can do the same thing for you because i'm sure there is something that's niggling at your subconscious telling you to make that change or try that thing. And, you know, if this conversation today hasn't heightened all that, then spend some time and, you know, just really take stock of your life. Like, what's that decision you need to make right now to change your life? Because that's that's really what we're about on the podcast. I love giving you guys examples of people that are actively changing their lives because you can too. And that is another one in the bag. Thank you so much for hanging around all the way to the end of the episode. Our sponsors also want to thank you too. Anarchy Label, the producers of this show, have teed up an exclusive discount code for you. You'll find it in the show notes below for all you wonderful people who've chosen to stay all the way to the end. If you enjoy being a part of the conversation today, don't keep this to yourself. Share this episode to your channel of choice. Send it to a friend who you know is going to get value. And most importantly, for all you diehard fans that want to see this show blow up and impact more lives, hit the donate link in the show notes below. I hope today's episode sparked a little idea inside your head. Maybe you go off and change your life or do something crazy like that. I don't know. But I want to thank you guys for hanging around. This has been a wicked episode. My name is Jack William. You'll find all my links below. And I will see you guys bouncing with energy with another hot topic next Tuesday. Peace and love. Anarchy!